Hey guys, welcome to What's for Dinner, episode 123 with Bruce Gold. I'm coming to you now from South Florida. I'm sitting in my parents' house in the middle of a thunderstorm. One of the reasons why I'm looking forward to going back to California tomorrow. This week, uh, I am on the Norwegian Getaway, and that's where I was interviewing Bruce Gold. He's a comedic magician, part of a great show on the ship called The Illusionarium. So uh, we kind of sat back, shot the shit, talked about... uh, stand-up comedy. He actually started in Florida, same place I started, so we knew a lot of the same people. And it was interesting kind of getting an idea of what it was like to uh, be a comic, but on the other end of it, the magic end. So, uh, it was, like I said, very interesting to learn all that. And um, to all my friends in Los Angeles, if you guys want to come see me this weekend, September 19th and 20th, I'm going to be at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. Uh, headlining in the Yoohoo room. It's always a fun time. I love it. It's like one of my favorite rooms to play in LA. So guaranteed to be a great show. And Allison's going to be on all the shows too. She's hosting. So you get to see the whole Schultz clan. And next week, the 25th to the 27th, I'm going to be at Morty's Comedy Joint in in Indianapolis. My first time playing that club. Very excited. In Indianapolis. It's hard saying that when you have two ins. If I was playing at a comedy inn in Indianapolis, that's like, that's so hard to say. But anyway, guys, uh, always you can go to flipthisfunny.com to check out more dates. In the meantime, you guys sit back, enjoy this interview with Bruce Gold. What's for dinner, episode 123. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. But it's very unique. Oh, how lovely. How lovely. And we are, we're going, by the way. Oh, awesome. It's yeah. great. It's, it's a, like, this is what happens when you have no studio audience. It's just no, it's suddenly just, you're having a conversation and you realize, oh, you're having a conversation with the entire podcast audience. Yes, You just exactly. didn't know it. Okay. Exactly. So it's, it's like, a, it's like a, um, a surprise entry, like a surprise party, but a podcast mm-hmm. thing. What they can't see right now is that you're seated comfortably and I'm standing like I'm actually performing <laughs> and I could sit down, right? This you could not... totally, you could stand up. <laughs> no, it's you could right. stand up. I, I could get a, if there's a minimum in here, I'll have to, you know, no, 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 get no, a couple so. of drinks and enjoy the show. Yes. Uh, uh, this by, is the thing. by the way, I got a bottle of that Smart Water the other day yeah. and uh, this one was $2.50 and I bought it just to see if this was any different from dumb water that I had been drinking previously and apparently not. But the smart thing is that you go to the filtered water fountain and refill it for free. That's the smart thing. That is a very smart thing. It either makes me cheap or smart. I'm not really sure which. A little from column A, a little from column B. Mm-hmm. Makes you a comic is what it makes I'm you properly first. hydrated. That's the bottom line. That, as long as you have it flowing through you. Nice setup in here, by the way. Thank you. Um, I have a uh, complete ensemble of uh, Mac products including uh, MacBooks with external keyboards and uh, trackpads. I have the same setup. Yes, and uh, I've cleverly taken a uh, lap desk and uh, put the uh, computer on that uh, over the plug strip that sticks out of the wall. And so then I kind of have like a desk for the computer. And now we're talking to the seven Mac geek people (laughs) who are thinking, oh my God, this sounds incredible. Tell me more about equipment. But, uh, I've recently become Mac. Like uh, this year, I went to Mac. I was PC forever. Once you go Mac, you don't go back. I, I got to be <laughs> honest. Like I'm really digging Mac. I got tired of the uh, the the blue screen that my PC would get all the time, saying, yeah. "Oh, your computer's fucked up." You know, so, I, it's funny. I have friends. I will post things on Facebook about Apple and something that I'm delighted with, and I will always get that those one or two PC people who. You know, we've we've had this and Samsung has that. And, you know, I don't want to get into a, you know, a flame war with them over who's right. better. And I'm like, look, 
please use the computer and or phone you like best. It, I, you don't have to use Apple, but I'm still giddy about the stuff that I can do with mine. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I was, and I want to say Apple hater, but I wasn't jumping on the bandwagon. I was like, you Apple people, you're like a cult. <laughs> You know, but that's fine. I'm going to stick with what my I PC. I am way too anti-establishment to be way using too. the popular computer. I'm P, I, I'm, uh, I am PC PC. I'm right. politically correct with a personal computer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> DHPC, maybe. DHPC? Yeah. The second word. H stands for head. I won't tell you what the D is. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> no, sorry. L again, PC users, I have no issue with you. Please use whatever computer and or phone and or uh, personal digital assistant you prefer. I just happen to like Apple. I've, I have become a convert. And what's weird now is my wife is still a PC. So we're like a, a mixed, mixed marriage. We're a mixed marriage, yeah, exactly. Okay. How's that working out for you? Uh, well, we can't share, uh, can't share files. You know, they say, Flip, that the key to a good relationship is communication. And I see a new issue. Uh, you know. Well, she... That's why, by the way, my therapist, my therapist voice. Oh, you know, flip. It's kind of soothing, isn't it? You know, flip. They say so. Tell me more, Freud. Yes. <laughs> Do you now? Um, you are how long are you on the ship for? Uh, I'm actually. It's a six month contract, and got on in May. I get off in November. Okay, so you're more than halfway there. Yes, we have done more than 200 shows aboard. Uh, we'll probably get to 300 by the time we leave because we do usually uh, 12 shows a week, two shows a night, six nights. Damn. So it's like having a Broadway schedule in a way. It really is, really. Yeah. Now, I've seen the show. Great show, by the way. And I, I love you. what you did in the atrium today with that Should little Should we tell the listeners what the show is? Yeah, yeah. So, we we uh, can't. This is generally there's a there's an intro to the podcast. Right? Ah, Can yes. we go and, hey, welcome to the episode. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But yeah, we could talk about it too. That's definitely one to get to it. Um, okay. You're involved in a show on board the Norwegian Getaway, where we are right now, called right. The Illusionarium. Voted Best New Cruise Ship. And uh, the, really? uh, the Illusionarium show. Uh, is only on this cruise ship. And so it's exclusively the getaway ship. Yeah, exclusively the getaway, and they're building a new ship. I do not believe there will be another illusionarium, uh, which yeah. is kind of smart. And CL made the move towards having branded entertainment. They have Legally Blonde. They had uh, uh, Blue Man Group. They have Legends in Concert, branded entertainment, and they wanted to create their own brand when it came to magic. And so uh, there's a very, very talented and funny gentleman by the name of Jeff Hobson, mm -hmm. who is at the top of his game in comedy magic and uh, probably the, uh, if you have it's a handful of guys at the top the f top five guys, absolutely he's among them uh, in the entire Industry. comedy magic genre right. and um, so he got together with uh, the production people at NCL they pitched a show, NCL bought it, they brought in Broadway directors and composers and scenic designers and costumers dropped, I'm g I believe the number was around four million dollars on the wow. production including all of the equi uh, lighting equipment and mm -hmm. the room itself which was built for this show and that's a very unique thing because it's not just you go Thursday night and you see a dance show and then Friday night and you see a singer and then Saturday there's a magician. The room itself is very much designed for this uh, 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 production. Well, the so, room itself is almost like a cast member in the show. Absolutely. You come into it and it's very Victorian steampunk inspired. Yes, yes. And there are many artifacts and collectibles and antiques around the room that have the flavor of steampunk and technology from the early 1900s and magic. And so you are, in a sense, transported in the most uh, unique and um, immediate 
part of that is the journey you make down the hallway to the showroom. Yes, yes. Because there is, they've created their own little museum area. And what many people miss, if you happen to be on the getaway and see the show, uh, as you're going down that hallway and you see the displays and books and kiosks and, and museum pieces there in the hallway, there are drawers, thin drawers, really? stacks of thin drawers on the bottoms of the bookcase. If you slide them open, usually the first two or three drawers in each stack open, the rest are just faux, but the first two or three open, and in them are really bizarre and strange stuff. One is a collection of like animal jawbones with animal teeth in really? them. Really? And another one is ma you weird magic apparatus. Uh, so it's a very unique I had no place. idea. Now i got to go check that out. Yes, and above the stage itself uh, is a uh, video dome, yeah. uh, which it becomes integral in the production. Uh, although it is possible to enjoy the show without ever looking up at the dome, it certainly does add this add other unique it. level to it. And I will say what makes the room <laughs> flabbergastingly unique for a magic venue is it's a circular stage that is in the middle of the room, mm -hmm. and you are three-quarters surrounded. So if you're s saying, you know, Bruce, I want to produce a magic show, the first thought is, let's put it on a circular stage in the middle of the room, surrounded by the audience. That's almost like no, no, and no, no right, right, right. when it comes to magic. So that has brought um, a level of complexity to how the magic acts are presented. Certain things we have to be careful about the angles. I'm not giving away too much by saying that. But I will say we have this team of magic specialists, we call them. And ordinarily in a, uh, any other production, they'd be stagehands. But they are, they are quite special in what they do here. And they are costumed. And they move props oh, yeah, yeah. on and off that elevated disc in the center of the room via a ramp or steps. They move those props on and off faster than any other magic show I have ever seen. At, it's all, I, sometimes I don't understand how there is not a collision because it's like the speed lane 80 miles an hour mm -hmm. on the 405 freeway. <laughs> As if you could actually go that Those fast are for the LA. Yeah. In LA. People in, from LA. What? 80? This 80 is magic. 405. Wait a minute. Uh, but and we have no backstage area, so the props themselves are out in full view totally. for most of the show, with the exception of the few larger props that we push up and down the ramp. And you and because um, I just saw the production uh, last week, and uh, the I don't know his name, but the uh, uh, magician or performer who is dressed all in white, yes, and does the uh, yes. This, I, yes, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, well, in this, uh, this gentleman, uh, the act is Murat. And Murat. he is a statue act. Statue, okay. And it's a very European thing. Yes, yes. And it really much. does take people quite by surprise. I and won't give too much away about it, but you can describe it if you... Uh, well, I don't want to give too much away about it either, but the one thing I will say is that he's the only act that did not come onto the stage. He was yes. he was almost brought onto the stage from nowhere. Yes. If that, if, without giving yes, too much away. Yes, the conceit of the show is that my character, I play Joffrey Royce in the show, and my character has assembled everyone there for an auction. Right. And the amusing part for me is uh, prior to the show, I go around um, and I, I get eye contact and or conversation with every person in the room. It's a dinner show. Mm -hmm. uh, they're serving a meal uh, which lingers through to the performance. Uh, and the two things that make it quite unique uh, other than any other magic show is not just the meal itself, but you're probably never going to be this close to these props, these kinds of illusions again. These are the things you're normally going to see in a gigantic showroom. Right. But here, it's, it's literally right taking there. place 10 feet from you. Yeah. This, gi this, you know, the girls in there, the swords are going through, and 
you don't you, get you, you're right there you're right there yeah and, I, the, and the other part is if i i'm sorry i know i, I tend to talk at uh, great no, length but um uh, the other part is uh that i have that interaction prior to the show and people have shown up for a magic show so when i start talking about it being an auction they are kind of taken aback but i always find a way to do it in a humorous way and with a almost nudge and a wink and some people get it and some people don't i am wearing a very tiny uh wireless microphone headset so mm -hmm. people see the headset and they know something's up but there's also an auction art auctioneer on the ship but oh, yeah. i take delight in many of the people think i'm legitimately about to run an auction <laughs> for all these things that have been collected by my great-great-grandfather for hundreds of years and I'm the guy who's going to get rid of them and of course my character takes a journey throughout the show mm -hmm. and comes around to a more magical way of thinking spoiler um, but it, it's it's fun and I also it enables me to go through the audience and make people feel an intimate part of the show engage them in the experience and it promotes conversation amongst the people who may be seated at a table of eight or ten people who don't really know each other. Mm -hmm. And I, I facilitate interaction between the guests. I get everybody to laugh once before I leave the table. So I think that really, just to wrap it, it all up, makes it wh why it is such a unique experience. No, absolutely. And uh, we talked earlier in the week um, about the show itself and you, you adhere to a pretty tight script. Mm -hmm. as far as uh, what you have to say and stage yes. moments and things like that. But I meant, it's funny that you brought that up too, uh, about going around table to table. I meant to ask, are those interactions you, or is that also scripted, what you say at the table? That's me. Um, I so that's your kind of sense of being a comic, because you are a yeah. stand-up as well as a magician, which yeah. I also want to talk about too. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, I, I studied theater in college. I did a decade of stand-up comedy on the road. I'd always done magic. I'd done them both independently, the magic and the comedy, and then I would brought them all both together. And so this really made use of my entire skill set, both as an actor, as a comic, and as a magician. And so I decided that my character, you know, he's not an altogether likable guy when he begins the show. But because this is a cruise ship, it's a unique venue in that every other person on board who works on the uh, vessel is trying their hardest to delight and please you yeah and so if i come out and i'm too abrasive they really are put off by it so i'm more of like this ingratiating used car salesman yes but classy used car salesman yeah. kind of you know trying too hard to be likable and and um uh, it's amusing for me the, the, to, yeah, to it looks to like play it's a lot of character. fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So, and when I first started doing it, I was speaking very fast like an auctioneer. Hey, good evening, welcome. Blah, 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 blah. And I was, sometimes there are little um, collectibles on their tables and I would describe this weird and fantastic story that I'd made up about the collectible and its magical connection. And then I realized that that really wasn't my function so much as going to the table getting them to very quickly engage in the experience and rather than describing the item i finally dawned on me what i say and I, i'll share with you just this one little snippet since it's not a scripted part of the show i come over and i say 
I ask everybody where they are from. And as a comic, now I've got something to play off of. Right. You know? Oh, we're, you know, they're all from different parts of Florida. Oh, great. Well, we'll try to turn up the humidity in here so you feel more at home. Or someone might be from England, I'm, and then we will get, you know, Kansas City, New York City, England. England, you win. Okay. There's no prize for longest distance traveled, but uh, there should be. We're going to serve dessert later. Pretend that's your prize. You people will get one, too. Everybody wins. So there's a frenetic pacing to what I'm doing. Um, but I will say, uh, now, if anything at the auction tonight catches your fancy and you're worried about how you're going to get it in your luggage and all the way home, don't worry. We can ship it right to your door okay. for a nominal fee. And I nice. smile broadly when I say nominal fee. And that's the point at which people catch on. Uh, oh, this is, this is who this guy is. Yeah. So it's still in character. I'm still all about getting rid of all this crap my great-great-grandfather has accumulated. And yet I'm doing it in a way that I, I think is amusing as a pre-show. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, did you have to audition for this, or were you asked to do this? Um, well, the audition was by videotape, and I had worked with uh, Jeff Hobson um, years ago in Vegas when I was doing stand-up comedy, and he was the magician in the show. What hotel? Uh, this was the uh, the Riviera. Oh, this was the, the, where they had the improv at the old Riv? No, not, not the improv. This was um, the... Uh, um, what was the name of it then? It's funny because the guy from The Sopranos was the oh, original that was, booker um, of that room. Catch. That was Catch, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was... Uh, no, no. Um, damn it. I know you're talking about... Uh, the Tom, no, Tony. Uh, yeah, it was like the Riviera Comedy Club or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe... Okay, so, maybe. so funny. The name is escaping. But, I think it uh, is... Steve Sharippa. Sharippa. Was the That's guy who was booking it at the time. Yeah. Who was, you know, a notoriously... Uh, for lack of a better word, Goomba-sounding yeah. <laughs> guy, which he turned into a, fr a franchise on Sopranos. Uh, the Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's that's where I, I worked with Jeff. But I, you know, it's funny the people in Magic, uh, who are kind of at the top of the game, all know each other. And uh, I had done also a kind of semi-famous television commercial, for a Got Milk commercial, where I played a magician. Uh, and uh, so Jeff had seen me do stand-up. He'd seen me do magic. He knew I was an actor. I'd done a little bit of television as an actor. So um, when it came time, um, he thought of me. And then the original cast, and by the way, I will say that this show uh, premiered on, the, on board as... Uh, often, if not always, the highest rated show in the entire fleet. Wow. It usually tied with Burn the Floor, which is a miraculous dance show oh, phenomenal. on board. I mean, all the uh, entertainment is if, Even if you're not a here. fan of dance, you go to see that show, and it is breathtaking. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a really wildly popular show, but the performers in that show, who uh, I will say James DeMere and Losander and Mike Giles and Melanie and Alain New, all excellent performers, um, three out of four of them knew me and had worked with me before. Oh, really? So there was a good buzz about me going in. And it was an adjustment to make because when I added my act to the theatrical portion of the show, I really had to condense and tighten things. And when you've been doing an act for quite a while and suddenly you're going to Cut, cut it, it half amount of time yeah and it's a magical plot to follow it was it was challenging so you're talking about the uh the trick you do at the end like your yeah. solo yeah, yeah, your yeah. solo bit which yeah, i don't I, want to give away but phenomenal yeah. trick <laughs> yeah thank you or illusion I, I, what do you prefer trick or illusion yeah that's such a funny thing i i'm doing a little documentary about magic and that's one of the questions i ask people i ask magicians what's the difference between a trick and an illusion i will tell you that in the industry of magic uh, basically we think of an illusion as being something with a large piece of apparatus. Hmm. Uh, but for an audience, 
to them, an illusion is anything that appears to be real but isn't. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But the but professionally, uh, an illusion involves an apparatus, and trick could be something sleight of hand or card or. Yeah, I mean that's generally how we refer to it. Okay. Um, that you know because there are illusionists, and if you talk about someone being an illusionist, that means they've got a. Uh, a truck full of very large props. I have a good friend, uh, Franz Ferrari, who is uh, quite famous overseas and modestly famous in the U.S. He's also been a designer of magic for the biggest names in the mu music industry. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yes. And he has the biggest show ever. I mean, the amount of semi trucks required to move his equipment is phenomenal. And he has referred to what he does as being a furniture mover with better press. <laughs> so if you're going to be in, I tell him because he tells me like he just had a show in China and they sent the equipment ahead. And China is exploding with with uh, money and technology and progress, but it hasn't reached all areas. So they have these very rural areas that are now becoming quite cosmopolitan, and the shift is not exactly a smooth one. So his all his, his equipment arrives in these crates, and the Chinese crew takes it to the outdoor site where the theater, the stage is literally being built. The outdoor stage is being built. They uncrate the props and set them out in the dirt and it rains oh my god so <laughs> he said he's had like sixty thousand dollars worth of damage to his equipment and every time he tells me a story like this and he has many i say to him you need to write a book called so you want to be an illusionist <laughs> <laughs> so as a comic flip do you generally well, have equipment problems when you travel you know it's funny you should mention that bruce um <laughs> Generally, uh, when I travel with uh, all of my comedy apparatus, you know, the, uh, the, the mic stand and the, uh, the, the microphone, I was working this one gig in China where they uncrated my microphone. No, well, that, that's the thing. It's like with, um, with you know, being a comic, it's so self-contained. It's just basically yeah. you and generally a you know a decent car that can get you from gig to gig in a suitcase that's right boy and it's all about the car when you start out coming yeah. look i did i was a road warrior i did you know uh and you started in florida which is where yeah, i started 40 weeks a year i was on the road and you know they how do you know you're a road warrior look i know that leftover pizza can be reheated with a blow dryer yes you have to yes. be on the road a little while to know that you can tip open one side of the pizza box put the blow dryer point it into the box mm -hmm. and while you're showering your pizza is getting nice and toasty from the night before that you hadn't finished those last three slices that is a very that's good that's a tip. road warrior yeah you um, also know not to eat the mayonnaise if it's left in the fridge <laughs> i don't eat anything left in a comedy no, club fridge never trust that's any comedy condo fridge not not gonna you know for those who don't know and and i guess many of your listeners uh, i'm sure if they listen at any length they probably heard people talk about comedy condos they were usually the apartment available at the cheapest monthly rent mm -hmm. closest to the club. And you didn't really need things in a comedy condo. You would have in a normal apartment like furniture and paintings <laughs> and or sheets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I and, and then you're sharing them with another comedian usually because it's cheaper than having two hotel rooms. You get one apartment, one apartment, you put two or three comics in it and their hygiene and or uh, personal habits mm -hmm. might not be Cohesive so to yours. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So a challenge to say the least. You said you uh, you had worked the comedy quarter in West Palm Beach back in yeah, the day. Yeah, Did you ever yeah. stay at that condo? I know because I lived in town, so oh, okay. I, I got to drive there. Yeah, but I would too. But sometimes, if it was a late night or if I was working the weekend, they had like they actually had a house <laughs> right behind the club. <laughs> 
creepiest fucking place. <laughs> just so <laughs> creepy in the worst neighborhood. I remember I was working with a, a comic who we were driving around West Palm and he found there, there was a girl sitting on a bus bench crying and just looked kind of like really not not physically but emotionally beaten up so he goes hey pull over pull over I'm like i was driving and i go all right he gets out sits next to her brings her into my car and goes okay let's go to the condo i'm like what the hell are you doing we go to the condo and uh she's sitting there and he go, and i pull him aside i go what the hell are you doing he goes well you know she uh she her boyfriend like was beating her or something and she needed to get away and i'm like so you brought her here where we live so she can tell her boyfriend to pick her up here and like <laughs> it's like the, this is the kind of area that this condo was in it was so uncomfortably uh just trash now yeah did you ever stay at the uh, nashville zanies no no i didn't yeah they, uh, they i'd heard that they had, they uh, moved but it was another one where apparently this house used to be a crack house oh my god and they would like literally deal crack out of it and then the uh club bought it but every so often there'd be like a knock on the door and crackheads going yo is jimmy in there man <laughs> yeah yeah i think so many comedy condos you really are surprised there is not a chalk outline on oh, the floor God, absolutely yeah it's scary it can be really really scary but so you um when you were I, i'll tell you a quick comedy condo oh yeah, yeah story. Please, please, please. uh so i'm playing i think it's in mccallan texas and it's i i believe oh. if i'm remembering it correctly it's a college town and there's a comedy club there and we're put up in an apartment and I'm working with uh, Bill, it'll come to me in a moment. He's a Texas comic. Uh, and we're sitting in the living room, and I have recorded my show. As many comics do and mm -hmm. did uh, back then. I recorded it on VHS back when the camera was separate from the recorder unit. Yeah. You know, because you taped your set, and you watched it back, and you listened to what they laughed at and what they didn't. And then you mistakenly tried to repeat spontaneous moments, yes. and then you learned that didn't work. But you found the material that worked, and you thought, okay, this is great. And then six months later, you compare that tape to the one from six months ago, and you can't believe you did any of those jokes six months six ago, month, how yeah. horrible they are. But this new tape, this new one is golden, and right. then the process repeats every six months. So we're sitting in the living room. He's in an easy chair. I got my finger on the VCR button, pausing my act that we are watching, because he's giving me advice on my act. <laughs> and he's really just taking it apart, and I'm finding it hysterical because he's very very sarcastic and very funny how, how uh, just real quick how long were you in the business at this point how long had you been doing comedy? uh this is probably my third year maybe okay okay so you're uh so uh, i'm sitting on this large square i must be at least three and a half feet square coffee table and the first 10 inches of it are like a, a wooden surround I'm actually gesturing this in the air <laughs> as if people can see me making a square shape. He's and making a square shape. And the center of it was a mirror. And so I'm seated on the edge of this coffee table, leaning over to the television where oh. I'm pressing the pause button so I can laugh at what he's told me and we can joke about it and then I can continue to watch my set. He says something that makes me laugh so hard, I lean backwards. Oh. I think this mirror is set on a flat piece of wood. No. There is a half-inch lip surrounding this the wooden frame, basically, and the mirror is just resting in there. Well, I lean back. The mirror snaps. I fall through it, and now I'm in, in, like in the donut center of this square coffee table with shards of jagged mirror uh, below me, 
and his eyes, I've never seen a person's eyes go wider. And I'm, you know, you ever hurt yourself? And there's that little shock, and then your brain takes over. It gets really lucid really quickly to mm -hmm. see if what you need to do to stay alive. How badly am I hurt is the question that goes through your mind. And I'm kind of shocked that I don't feel any pain. And I think maybe I've gotten lucky. I've broken the mirror, but I've not been cut. I've just, it's, I've won the lottery of injuries here. Right. So I slowly rise up from the coffee table with his help. And then I hear, tink as this jagged dagger of mirror falls from the center of my waist in the back into the uh, broken mirror on the coffee table. And I put my hand behind myself, oh, God. reaching in the back of my belt, and I take my hand out, and it's completely red. And he looks like he's about to faint. Now, he's not injured. I am. But he's the one who's, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. What do you mean? Oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm totally calm thanks to that primordial part of your brain that says save the human life and so i said uh i'm gonna grab a towel i need you to drive me to the emergency room i'll get the keys get in the car we're going to the emergency room and i take the towel and i put it in and just to try to you know end the story quickly um you know when you go to an emergency room and you're bleeding if you are are, are uh, lucid enough to say i am bleeding and need your help you just fill out a form right, right. you're not gonna you're, you're die. not priority you're just yeah you're you're triaged, you know, you're not, you're not necessary to see the doctor immediately. And then I went and saw a surgeon, and um, what do you do? And I'm lying there on my stomach on the operating table, and he said, I'm a, I'm a comedian. Oh, you know, and so now. Tell me a joke. <laughs> you know, Make me laugh. Right. You know, and I, and I, I, I borrowed a line from somebody. All right, look, scalpel jockey, you know. I, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he, I had three stitches. And he said, look, you're really lucky, man, because yeah. half inch to the left, you wouldn't have walked in here. No shit. So, and now, here is the punchline to the story. The club owner wanted me to pay for the broken mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting. Right? <laughs> Not how are you? Not are you okay? But you know you have to pay for that. I made the show that night. I did not miss the show. That's I'm a professional. You, thank God it happened in the afternoon, and then I made it to the show just in time. Wow. Have you ever had to miss a show? <coughs> um, closest I came, um, I think I want to say Jacksonville because I remember there's like a not 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 uh, no 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 South Carolina. There was like a paper mill smell in the entire part of the city I was in where the comedy club was. And I'm on the way to the club, and this is only like my second year in the business, and I'm speeding along, and I get pulled over, and the guy's looking up my license. He can't find it. I'm sitting in the back of a squad car, and I'm watching the minutes tick away. And I'm like, look, I swear, I'm not a felon. I don't know why it's not coming up. It's, well, he had uh, put a, 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 a missed keystroke in. He had searched the wrong name or something. Oh. And so finally it came up, and he let me go. And I drive there. Now, I can't speed because <laughs> I, I was just pulled over for that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go to jail. So I pull into the parking lot. It's the strip mall where the club is. I open the door to the club. I hear Bruce Gold. Uh -huh. I turn right, and I walk past the tables, up the steps, onto stage, and start my act. Wow. They had no idea I wasn't there, and they had begun my introduction. So, Wow. Yeah, that's the closest I've got. That, Jesus, I've never, I've have never, you, heard, I've never heard a story that close. Have you missed a show? Um, 
I don't think I've missed it. Mm, not like on the road. Like maybe in L.A., like a showcase show that I somebody yeah. booked me didn't tell me about. Or, I've had that happen. I've yeah. had that happen. I've, I got a call once from the Comedy and Magic Club mm. uh, who, let me just say, uh, the uh, That's my that is the right? best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. The, the best people in the comedy business, that club. Mm -hmm. That club owner and that club, Mike Lacey, the best people ever. And I had moved to California. This was my first year there. And I did not know that I had gotten an MC spot. And so I get a call. Are you coming down? Where are you? And so, needless to say, I didn't get MC spots after that. <laughs> but it was one of those things where the communication wires Which got is, crossed. Yeah. I had no idea that I'd gotten a spot. And they always, they always blame the comic. It's never anybody else's fault. It's yeah. like somebody didn't go well, then it's still your fault. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but these were great people, and they are great people, and I still get to go down there. I still do sets there. Oh, that's cool. And uh, just... You know, it's they they are the <laughs> they are the uh, uh, example by which all other club owners and managers should be yeah, judged. It's a really it's a really really great. great club. All right, I'm gonna throw out a couple of comedy because I thought about like any comedy magicians I might have worked with, and uh, there are three okay. that I remembered offhand. I'm gonna name each one, and uh, I want to get your uh, your professional um, opinion as far as. Uh, Likeability and reputation. Oh, okay. Okay. Because mm, mm. they were all nice guys to me, so I assume they're all nice guys. <laughs> Good that you preface that. Yes. You know, before you trash them, let me say they're all nice guys. And <laughs> no, I, I, I guess what I mean is, like, um, would you uh, would you rank them as far as, like, uh, top-notch or good club? All right. Well, let's right. Well, we talked about, talk about him yesterday, Mike Finney. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Mike Finney, uh, Jeff Hobson, again, these two guys at the top of their game. And let me tell you the genius of Mike Finney. Uh, Mike Finney was a bartender, and he started learning magic. And then uh, he took the classics of magic, uh, tricks that a lot of guys had done over the years, even other comedy magicians. But what he really understood was two essential things. One, how to relate to people, which he learned from being a bartender, right. how to talk to somebody. And two, he imbued what he did with a character that had such great humor and vulnerability. And that is the key thing for comedy magic. It's something that I still work on myself. I don't feel that I've perfected it. And that is to have an authoritative presence and yet a great vulnerability. And Michael Finney has this great vulnerability to him. And he can get away with doing and saying things that other performers can't. So he takes these tricks and he imbues them with his own character and his own presence and his own uh, patter, and he's really phenomenal. You know, amongst magicians, there are some people who actually put out DV DVDs of their work uh, for other, you know, they charge for them, of course. Uh, and, and Michael has done this. And I said, Michael, why on earth would you put out a DVD of your work? I mean, you're the top guy. Why would you sell this stuff? And he said to me, nobody's going to do it like I do it. And he's absolutely right. Oh, I've not seen anybody do his work the way he does. Other people do it well, but nobody does it like Michael Finney. He's a genuine, one-of-a-kind, and, and that's a testament to his success. Fantastic. Kozak. Kozak is, you know, I, ha I haven't really uh, worked with Kozak. I've met uh, Kozak and seen him perform a couple times. A great guy. You know, when I started doing comedy, and I was going club to club, and I, 
uh, just a little a footnote when I started and I had done some magic in my act the other comics at that of that era uh, were saying oh well, you yeah, FM magician oh, you buy your act today in a magic shop blah blah, mm -hmm. blah 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 and so I got very very little to no respect as a magician so I said that's it I'm taking a magic out and for 10 years I just did stand-up uh, and you know it was so funny that some of the guys who would ridicule me for doing magic would then get up and do the most hack and unor oh, unoriginal <laughs> dick jokes you've ever heard, you know, but no, okay, yeah. Um, so uh, jumping back in, uh, Kozak. So I'm, I'm, I'm traveling around and I keep hearing Kozak's name. Oh, he's so great and he comes out, he's got this and he does this opening that's just amazing and whatever. And one of the keys to being a success in this business is you have to be remarkable. And by that, I mean people have to remark about what you do spontaneously to other people. They've got to talk about you. There's got to be a buzz. And Kozak had this amazing buzz every club I went to when somebody found out I was a magician. Oh, do you know Kozak? So um, his reputation really preceded him. And uh, this is a guy who hasn't had... Uh, all of the best breaks in life, mm -hmm. but he's handled everything that's come his way in a very admirable way, Absolutely. and I, I really admire him. Yeah, definitely. And a really genuine, genuinely nice guy. Yeah. I got to work with him once and was totally uh, blown away by professionalism and his kindness. All right, last name. And uh, this is a guy that I think when you think of comedy magicians as far as like um, those who have really made a, uh, a, a really good... I guess you could say, um, I don't want to say empire, but definitely build a foundation for a great career. Mm. The Amazing Jonathan. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because <coughs> Jonathan, um, I remember like he, I would see him in the clubs all the time. Mm -hmm. He would always sell out. And then I know he had a Vegas show for a little while. Like oh, a little many bit years. Off the trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. So would, have you uh, worked with Jonathan? Uh, I have not worked with Jonathan. Oh, really? But I, I met Jonathan when I moved out to Los Angeles. I'd al always known of Jonathan. You could not be in magic in my era and not know who he was. He was very counterculture to magic. He was the first, I guess, bad boy of magic yeah, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Penn and Teller later became the bad boys of magic. But um, I, knew of, I, I knew of the amazing Jonathan prior to that. And he really had this very, uh, very hip, very ironic, very sarcastic, edgy uh, presentation style. And he's from that era when, you know, drug humor was uh, very common. Mm -hmm. And he had that edge to him as well. Um, and so he, he's a very good magician. And he did, he, he did a show, very funny, and he, he, he gets a guy up on stage. And <laughs> whoever this guy is, uh, I wanted to say poor soul, but <laughs> you know, he's whoever this good sport is, uh, he does become an integral part, part of, the, of sh the show. Yeah. And there's some great magic in the show. And I think that's also key to the really great comedy of magicians is certainly they have a, a, a lot of humor in, their act, humor in their act, but the magic really stands up on yeah. its own too. Uh, but I will say uh, I went out and I had uh, – there's a very fine uh, uh, a close up magician and mentalist uh, named Brian Gillis, who's a very good friend of Jonathan's. And uh, we all went to the Cheesecake Factory. And uh, Jonathan, who can be very acerbic and sarcastic, you know, he, he <laughs> was, was genial and yet chided me a bit. Uh, picked up the check at lunch. Oh, and cool. when you, you're a new guy in the business and an established guy picks up the check, it's a very cool thing Absolutely, of him yeah. to do. And then later, 
Uh, I had a, another friend, uh, Christopher Hart, who's a really fine cabaret magic performer. No, I've heard his name. Uh, and it's by cabaret, I mean that the act that he does, rather than, you know, big 45-minute long show, he does a really, like, finely cut diamond of a show that's about probably 12 minutes. And a European cabaret style show, but he's an American guy. Anyway, he was opening for the amazing Jonathan, and that was another cool thing Jonathan did. He had a lot of fine magicians open his show for him. And so I was coming to visit to see my buddy perform, and Jonathan had an extra room in his quite large home in Vegas, and said, yeah, you can stay here. So oh, that's cool. He was a very cool guy about that. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Excellent. Um, before we wrap up, uh, first of all, where can people find you online? Uh, well, uh, you'll find my uh, incredibly dated 2003 <laughs> website <laughs> at brucegold.com. Slash GeoCities. promising myself <laughs> uh, for many years that I was going to update my website, and that is uh, in the works, I will say. Uh, that still has to happen. Are you on uh, the Twitter and the my, uh, Facebook and all that uh, kind of stuff? I'm on uh, I, 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 <laughs> the Twitter, uh, Bruce G one two three. Nice. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so I just as I say this in my head, <laughs> I'm hearing myself <laughs> say, "You really should have updated your website <laughs> a lot sooner, and then now you could be telling people and be proud of them going." To, but anyway, you'll see me. The website that you, if you go to brucegold.com, it's a very corporate, oh, uh, I got focused website uh, for comedy magic. You know for what, corporate I th- audiences. I think websites when they get too flashy, too too much going on, I think people almost get a little turned off by it. I think a yeah. website should look nice and just have your basic, you know. Yeah. Like where the information they need, see clips, see dates, you know, read right. bio or whatever. You know, you put on your 2003 shoes and you go to that site. It looks pretty good looks for 2003. Good. Do you have the Uga Chaka baby like on the homepage? Uh, you know what? Here I'll be th- uh, three things I don't have, which I'm very proud of. The site is not all black. Like uh-huh. Many magicians. Many magicians. Yeah. Uh, it does not instantly play music when you click on it, <laughs> and there are no sparkles and/or stars anywhere on the site. Well, those are three pluses in my three pluses. Point. Actually, when I designed my site, I designed it like a series of postcards. I said I want somebody able to click through the entire site in less than five minutes. I don't want any scrolling on the screen, and uh, uh, I want everything to look very clean, almost like Apple had done it. Uh, and so it came out nicely. I actually laid everything out in Photoshop, and then I have a friend who's a magician, and he also did uh, web design, and he made it into a website. And that's also, just as a footnote, uh, quickly I say that many magicians, the really good ones, it's, they, have, they have this amazing faculty in many different areas. A lot of guys are graphic designers and musicians, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think the same is true of uh, a lot of comics or musicians. If they have a really artistic bent, they have a, a, a t- artistic ability in many different areas. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's something. Uh, what is it? The right side of the brain. That's yeah, the maybe, or? maybe. There, yeah. there are people who would argue that. Uh, but maybe, you know, if you th- want to choose sides, right side <laughs> is the way to go. Unless you're dyslexic. Right. And then who knows what sides work and when? Yeah. Or whatever. Um, one other thing I want to ask you, and then we'll call it a day. And thank okay. you, by the way, so much for doing uh, this. Thank it's you. Really this cool. is really a delightful thing. I'm happy I did it. And uh, uh, I, I, you notice I did actually let you speak a couple times. And I appreciate right? that. Good. I okay. Do. I do. Good. I didn't want it to be all about me. No, so. it's okay. It's nice being here on the Bruce Gold Show. Um, <laughs> one last thing I wanted to ask you. What, deep down in your heart, do you prefer, magic or stand-up? I think they satisfy two different things. Um, I know... 
that for me, when I'm doing stand-up, some people have described it as therapy. I don't see it as therapy, but I think I probably am not alone in saying that. I have always wanted to have a connection with people that I didn't really feel was particularly present early in my life. And so to stand on stage and deliver a punchline and have people laugh is so validating and it's them saying we believe what you believe we like what you like we find that funny too that's all tremendously validating and it's a, it's a tremendous rush to do a great set sadly in comedy you can fall into the trap of being only as good as your last show right so when you're doing great it's great when you do a punchline and they don't laugh it's like that point where you're tipping back in a chair just before you fall and you mm -hmm. catch yourself you know, so hopefully that doesn't happen too often. But I love that part about stand-up. I love connecting immediately in the moment with the audience. For magic, there's a great satisfaction with taking a technique, um, a method, and wrapping it up in a way that people don't see the punchline coming. They don't see the, the magic effect. And when I say punchline, of course, I mean the magic effect in this case, coming. And being able to give people that moment where it shakes them out of what they know and delivers this other option. Um, that, I don't want to, I mean, to sound flowery, you know, the moment of mystery and, you know, creating wonder, you know. I'm not saying it's all that. All I'm, I, I, I'm saying is that uh, when you witness a really good magic show, it transports you in the same way that seeing a really good movie does. You're yeah. suddenly in the moment with that character, almost experiencing what that character experiences. And with magic, you get to deliver a moment for the audience that can make them go, <gasps> Yeah. I do a thing in my act that's based on the Chinese linking rings. Mm -hmm. And it's an updated version created by another magician by the name of Mike Caveney on which I have put my own stamp on this routine. Uh, and it's basically, it's done with giant coat hangers. Yes. And I'm talking about the creation of the Chinese linking ring trick. And, and the guy probably thought of it when he's trying to get a coat hanger out of his closet because they always are seemingly linked together. And right. These things happen. And it took me dozens and dozens and dozens of shows. But I finally figured out how to deliver this moment where the hangers, which are inarguably linked together, and these are not little wire coat hangers. They're very big metal coat hangers, like you'd pay five bucks a piece for at Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, mm -hmm. big metal coat hangers. There's a moment where these two hangers that are inarguably linked melt apart, and the audience goes, <gasps> and it's that, whoa, it's that gasp or that, oh, of wonder. That is why I do it, I think. I'll speak for every magician when I say that's why we do it. It's the same type of validation you get as a stand-up comic. As a laugh. It just, gets in yeah. a, it just comes in a different form. You get a gasp and you get a laugh. Either way, it's that same, like, rush. Yes. That's a same. little gasp, a little laugh, a little seltzer in the pants, whatever that <laughs> saying is. So, <laughs> Bruce, dude, thank you so much hey, for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. Thing. And have a great show tonight, too. Thank you. And, guys, till November, get on the getaway and see the Illusionarium. It's a fantastic show. And we'll see you next week. Bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds.